I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, the organic gardener is on KDKA Radio. Doug is off today. Jessica is here. We'd love to hear from you. So Early Bird gets in to have a chance to talk to Jessica. So call right now, 866-391-1020. We're going to take the 10th caller to win a $25 gift certificate from an amazing place that they are in that sweet spot, the zone. This is their time of year, the fall, sorghum. So 412-922-1020. It's great to see you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And speaking of sorghals, you know, yes. it's right down the road from me. So yes. my son and I were, uh, we decided to go get our pumpkins on Friday night. So we thought, well, we'll just run over to sorghals, right? Because we don't want to, like, Saturday and Sunday is really busy. So I thought we could kind of, like, sneak in there on Friday you, night. Where'd you park a mile away? Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you what, though. And I said to Randy, I saw him there in the field because he was helping people on and off of the hay wagons. Right. And I said to him, you know what's really cool? There are like groups of teenagers there that were just like hanging out. Like no. they just, they went to Sorgals to hang out with their friends. They're doing the, the corn maze there. They're like, they had music playing. They had like, it was crowded, but it wasn't too crowded. And it was, we had so much fun. We were there for a couple of hours. We got some pumpkins. We got some ice cream. We just saw the animals. It was, he still likes to go see the animal, walk through the gift shop. Good. Like it was just nice to see uh, like a whole bunch of families, of course, and then just these groups of teenagers just hanging out. Like nobody's making any trouble. No, it was just no one, they were just. No being. one was carrying a PlayStation or an Xbox. Exactly, <laughs> they didn't have their phones out, which right. was really cool to see. And they were just, you know, hanging out and having fun. So the, I love that. I love that. So if you haven't been over there to their fall fest, I would highly suggest it. And um, do be prepared to walk though. Where you wear your sneakers because you're gonna walk around the field to pick the best pumpkin. And we well, we got the three best ones, so you'll have to get the second best pumpkins because we got the best ones. But anyway, the other thing I noticed when I was there is they've got all, all these bins of cool squash. And I saw when you had your Janowski's video, they had those in the yeah, they were in the background of that one video. And all these amazing, I always like to call them boutique squash because they're not ones that a lot of people grow in their garden necessarily, but they have them for sale at these places. And people primarily use them as decorations, but a lot of them are actually edible and they're really, really good. There's um, like the Hubbard squash, which actually makes, I think, the best pumpkin pie, even better than pumpkin and canned pumpkin. But Hubbard squash, there's the delicata squash, and of course the acorn squash festival and butternut squash. I would encourage you when you go to these places to get your pumpkin Pick up a couple of these amazing edible squash, roast them in the oven, and give them a try. Uh, put a little bit of um, maple syrup on them after they're roasted. It's top notch. Uh, and it's just, don't forget that those are also edible. Uh, if you grew winter squash in your garden this year, anything from butternut to acorn squash to spaghetti squash, if you haven't harvested them, they are calling for a frost advisory tonight. You do want to make sure that you get them out of the garden before we have this frost. 
You're going to want to cut them from the vine. Don't try to pull them because that will snap the stem off and that reduces their storage life. You want to cut them from the um, vine and leave a little bit of that stem attached and then you have to cure them. So I like to cure mine outside if possible, but if we get a frost, you, get, you don't want to have that happen. So you can take them out during the day for a couple of days and then move them back indoors at night. Or you can just lay them out uh, in the garage on some newspaper in a nice dry area and let them cure for a week or two. And then you can put them in storage in like a, if you have a root cellar or a basement, just like a cool place. And they will, if they're cured properly for those few weeks, they'll store for many, many months and you'll be able to use them all winter long. So hopefully you manage to grow some type of winter squash in your garden this year. Um, but like I said, frost tonight, if you've got tropical plants out there, uh, if you've got, you know, you still got a couple of tomatoes waiting to ripen uh, on your plants or a couple of peppers, make sure you cover them tonight because we, there is a frost warning. I know I'm going to be moving some of my potted um, succulents that are not hardy. I've got a banana tree. I'll be moving those into the garage today. Uh, if you have a hibiscus plant, uh, if you want to overwinter like a potted rosemary or something, it's time to bring them inside. We're now low enough at night temperatures that we're going to risk harming the plants if we don't. Is there a uh, old gardener's tale that all green tomatoes should come off the vine, especially Right before the first frost. You can, yeah. I mean, it, it depends. So if you like to eat green tomatoes, like fried green tomatoes or green tomato relish or something like that, obviously you're going to want to bring them in today. Um, you can if they're mature, so they're large, full size, but they just haven't colored up yet. You can ripen them indoors. You can force ripen them. And that's people will often talk about putting an unripe tomato in a brown paper bag with a banana or an apple. Right. I've heard that. And they produce, why that works is the ripening process produces a plant hormone that's called ethylene gas. So plants produce hormones just like you and I do, right? So one of their classes of hormones is ethylene gas. And ethylene gas, when it's released from ripening fruit or ripe fruit, it will encourage other ripe fruit around it to, or other unripe fruit around it to get ripe. So for example, you know, if you have a b bunch of bananas that you bought last week or two weeks ago, and there's one that's starting to get black and it's kind of gross, and you buy new bananas and you put the new bananas near that old banana, that's going to hasten the ripen of the new bananas. And sometimes it makes them go bad faster. So this is also why flower shops, uh, or if you have cut flowers, on your kitchen counter, you don't want to store them next to the fruit bowl because it'll make those cut flowers go bad fast. So mm -hmm. at a at a flower shop, you can never store the fruit that you have for making fruit baskets. You can't store that in the same cooler that you store your um, cut flowers because it will make them um, make them go bad faster. So you know now you know. <laughs> what would you like to talk about with the audience today? Oh my gosh! Well, it's garlic planting season, so if you have questions about getting your garlic in the ground. Today's the day to ask. Also, bulb planting. If you are doing things like, uh, you know, deconstructing your container gardens and your pots this year, you want to know how to overwinter some of those plants like your geraniums and coleus, lantana and things like that. They can be overwintered indoors. Give me a call. I'm happy to help you through that process. So even though fall is here, there's lots still to be done in the garden. All right. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to get on the line and uh, call us because we've got all of our lines wide open. And Jessica would love to talk to you today about all the things that are happening in your world when it comes to your gardening needs and 866-391-1020. And always this time of year, 
How did your garden do this year? The ups, the downs, the highs, the lows. We'd love to hear from you at 866-391-1020. We're going to take a very short break, some commercial messages, a quick look at sports, and then we'll get right back to your phone calls as we continue on the Organic Gardeners. Doug off today. Jessica's here. KDK Radio. All right, uh, it's a time to congratulate Margaret of Pittsburgh, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles, and it's time to go to work. Take some phone calls. Jessica Wallace are here today, the Organic Gardeners. Bill, you're up first on KDK Radio. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have two hibiscus plants. Uh, I put them in the garage last night because uh, it was supposed to frost. But I, I, I winter them over, but I'd like to have a professional uh, view. How, do, how can I winter them over? I bring them in the house and uh, put them in big tubs and try to keep them in the sunlight as much as I can, but uh, it's it's a big job. It sure is. And let me tell you, I have lots of experience with this because I've had many hibiscus hibiscus plants over the years, and um, you can basically overwinter them one of two ways. The first way is the way that you're doing it, which is bringing it into your living space, allowing it to grow and uh, live as a house plant. Um, the, the good part about that is a lot of times it will actually bloom indoors in the winter um, and you get to have that greenery in your house. The bad part is that, of course, is, you know, for many of us, that means taking a big giant pot up the stairs or in through the door and it take, can take up quite a bit of room, especially as they get larger. So you can continue to do that or you can overwinter it in a state of dormancy. And this was really my favorite way to overwinter all of my hibiscus. And what I did with that was I took the pot into the garage and we have an attached garage that's not heated, so it was cold in there, but it never got really cold in there, so it didn't get a whole lot below freezing. Um, but what happens is when you take it into the garage to overwinter is you stop watering, and all of the leaves are going to fall off of that plant slowly over the period of a couple of weeks, and that's the plant is shifting into a state of dormancy, which means it's not actively growing, it's not photosynthesizing anymore, the leaves are going to drop off, it's going to look dead. Um, You water it really only about every six to eight weeks, so that means you only water it a few times over the whole winter, and then when the temperatures start to warm in the spring, you gradually take it outside. So you might take it outside for a few hours on a warm day at the, you know, in late March, and you gradually acclimate it to coming back outdoors. It's going to leaf out again. Um, it's a little bit easier to overwinter that way because it doesn't take up so much living space and you don't have to worry about bringing pests in the house and all that stuff. So either way is a fine way to do it. Just depends on what you'd prefer. Yeah, that, that sounds real good. Uh, usually I get these little white uh, bugs flying around, but before I brought it in last year, I sprayed it with soapy water, and I, I eliminated that. Does that sound right? Yeah, you can do that. So it might have been whitefly, and whiteflies are one of the favorite uh, pests of hibiscus. Um, people also can get scale. You can get aphids on your hibiscus, but even better than soapy water, um, and soapy water is okay. Uh, I always recommend, of course, using a commercial insecticidal soap so that you know it's the correct strength rather than mixing your own you would buy a commercial preparation of it. But you can also kind of blast the pests off of the plant with a sharp stream of water from the hose. Uh, And so before you would bring it inside, 
you would, um, you know, blast it off. You have to go on all the leaves, all the stems and branches. It can be challenging on a thicker plant, but it is a great way to knock pests off of a plant that doesn't involve having to use even an organic pesticide. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck to you. All right. We've got some lines available. It's Open Talk with Jessica Wallace on the Organic Gardeners. Uh, call us at 866-391-1020. So how would you summarize the gardening season of 2019? What's uh, thrived and what barely survived? You know, it was a good year overall. I think we had uh, so much rain early in the season that the the problem I heard the most from uh, gardeners about is was fungal issues whether it was in the vegetable garden or on their perennials or even on their trees. When we have wet like that early in the season, fungal issues are almost always the result. But the good part was we then dried out a little bit later in the season. And so in in my case, I did have some fungal issues on my tomatoes. But then as they dried out later in the season, they sort of started to outgrow it. I broke off, you know, snapped off all of the diseased leaves, and then the new foliage was all just fine. Uh, but then that went to the little extreme, right? Then we got pretty dry for a while there, which caused our trees to be stressed. And that's why a lot of them now are having early, a little bit of early leaf drop over the, the last month, maybe six weeks or so. Um, it's It'll be interesting to see what it does to our fall color show uh, because of that dry period. Sometimes that will affect the strength of the of the autumn colors. So not really sure how that's going to go at this point when they're not really changing too much right now, but they're still on the brink of it. So I think overall it was a good season, great season in, in my vegetable garden. I know that um, not a lot of pest issues that I had to worry about this year and certainly ample harvests. Best one of the best green bean harvests I've ever had in years. It's It was a good year for those. Any reason why you think? I personally think it was because of all that rain in the spring that we had. The plants got off to a really good start. They got nice deep root systems going. And then when they dried out, they could, you know, they could handle that a little bit more. So, um, you know, it's all, it was all good. 866-391-1020. What's the best way to give a mum as much shelf life as you can? Because it's amazing how beautiful, bold, and bright, but they leave as quickly as they came. They sure do. And I, Doug has shared this tip before, and it's an excellent tip. And that is when you go to the garden center to buy your mums, don't buy them in full flower. Buy them in what we call the blush, which means the buds are just starting to open so that you can at least see a little bit, of, a tiny bit of color to make sure that it matches the color on the pot tag, right? You're getting the right color. That's the best time to buy them and move them into your garden because really it's going to take a couple more days for them to open. And then you know that they're, you're going to be able to enjoy their entire flowering period. If you buy one that's already in full blast, full bloom, you might have already given up on two, three weeks of flowering, depending on you know how long those buds have been open. So buying them in blush is the best state to buy them in. And of course, making sure they stay well watered, that's really important. All right, let's uh, talk to uh, Jackie. She's up next for Jessica Walliser on the uh, Organic Gardeners. Hi, Jackie. Good morning. I wanted to know, when is the best time to prune a pussy willow? Ah, very good question. So is it a shrub form or more a little bit more upright, more like a tree form? Tree. A tree. Definitely okay. upright. Okay. So my favorite time, because I love the willows when they flower and they get a the little soft um, seed pods on them, like I, and flower buds, I think they're really cool. So we want to maximize that. So really the best time to prune a pussy willow is right after it's done flowering. Um, so what that does then is that will generate new growth that will then get those little fuzzy pods on it the following season. If you prune it now, you'll be reducing 
those, you know, the number of those that you're going to have on it for next year. Um, it certainly won't kill the plant to prune it now, but your best bet is to wait until right after it's done blooming. Okay, that's around in February sometime. Well, it depends on the variety that you have, uh, but yeah, it could be March. Uh, some oh, of them okay. open in February, some open in March. I had one at my house that sort of was in a, a really exposed area, and that didn't really get going until early April. So you just have to kind of gauge it based on the conditions that the plant is growing in. Oh, okay. So after when the fuzzies are done. When the fuzzies are done, that's the time to do your pruning. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much, and have a good day. Thank you. You too. All right. We're going to wait to uh, take our next caller after the news break, but we've got room if you want to take one of these available lines while they're available. Right now, the number to dial is 866-391-1020. Next hour, all the ways to prepare potatoes with Joe and Franklin TC. Why are potatoes such a hearty, hearty thing? They, they can withstand just about anything. They, well, they have a long storage life, which is really nice. Yeah. They are susceptible to some pathogens in the garden, and some like the voles always like to take little nibbles out of mine. Uh, but for the most part, they're just, they're, I think, uh, such a staple for so many of us because they have such a long shelf life. And that means, you know, you can buy a bag of potatoes and you can, you know, eat them one at a time and it'll last you for several weeks. Amazing. All right, listen, we're going to take that break now. We'll come back, and we've got news with Shelby coming up at the bottom of the hour. We've got that Janoski's gift certificate to give away. And, yes, we've got time for you to call in and get all of your questions answered with Jessica Wallace. She is flying solo today. Doug, enjoying the day off. This is The Organic Gardeners. We'd love to hear from you. 866-391-1020. Once uh, the Coons Market uh, cooking hour is done, Heffron Tillis and your money and you. And then we take a look at the Steelers, uh, to the Chargers tonight. Look back at the Pens win last night. Major League Baseball now in that champion, championship uh, series mode. National League, Washington up two games and on over uh, St. Louis. They won last night 3-1. And the Yankees won game one of the American League Championship Series uh, the final last night at Minute Maid Park in Houston 7-0. All right, let's take that 10th caller right now to begin the second half hour. The Organic Gardeners win an amazing $25 gift certificate to Janoski's. And that number is 412-922-1020. Doug off today. Jessica Wallace are here. And right back to the phones, it's Joe and McMurray. Hey, Joe, welcome. Thanks for hanging on. Good morning. Good morning, people. Jess, I've got a uh, fig tree, about four foot tall. I've been raising since a pup there, about 15 years old. And it's dropped all its leaves after a pretty successful harvest here. Is that common? Absolutely. Yep. It's going to be just, if you have it outside, it's going to be just like any other deciduous plant. It's going to go through that period where you might have a little bit of a yellow bit of color on the leaves, and then they will naturally drop off the plant. And that's signaling its start into dormancy, which is exactly what you want to happen. Okay. And then before it gets severely cold, like last night it was out all night and it's not so bad. And then just bring it in. Is it necessary to cover it with plastic, black plastic in an unheated garage? Yeah. Do you have windows in your garage? I do. There's a block window, yes. Okay. Get some... Yeah. So that's that's like what my window is. Where in the garage we have one block window and then a couple of small windows in the garage door. And I was having trouble actually getting my fig to, to fruit because I was just dragging the pot in and kind of letting it be dormant in the garage for the winter. And then uh, my friend Steve Biggs, who wrote a book called Grow Figs Where You Think You Can't, and he grows like 60 different types of figs up in um, Canada, up in Toronto, Canada. And he said, I was talking to him about it, and he said, well, you you really ought to be covering it. So I started to get a really big, giant um, garbage, black garbage bag, and I wrap the plant stems up uh, so they're kind of upright and 
and then I put the garbage bag over them, and that then keeps them dark and dormant for the winter. Okay, so it's, you can just kind of bow, bind them up and so they don't break, obviously. And exactly, yeah. So you would... Contain, yeah. yeah, think about how they bind up when you go buy a Christmas tree, right? They put that twine on it and they wrap it to sort of bind those leaves up because they're still real flexible this time of year. And so that's that's what I do. I wrap them up like that and then cover them up. Okay, two quick two quick questions here. And a friend of mine, he has a smaller fig, uh, just 18 inches maybe. And same thing with that, bring it in in the... And uh, during the cold winter and uh, in a garage? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And there's, um, you know, I only ever watered mine once, maybe twice through the winter. I really let it go into solid dormancy. If it's a very new plant that does not have a really nice established root system, then you might want to water it a little more frequently. But the the idea is you want to make sure that it stays in that dormancy. So don't really start watering it in earnest until you're ready to start taking it outside during the day. All right, and lastly, I'm experimenting with shallots this year. Is it okay to plant them in November? Is it similar to garlic? Shallots. Yeah, you can. Um, I, most of the time when I plant shallots, I plant them in the spring uh, just because I've had better luck with them that way. They don't always overwinter. It just sort of depends on your garden. I w- if you're going to plant them now, I would definitely get a couple of inches of shredded leaves on top of that bed or straw even for the winter, maybe three, four inches to put over top to help insulate them. Um, you know, give them a try. If you've already bought the bulbs, obviously you want to go ahead and plant them now because they okay, won't they exactly. won't hold over the winter. Okay. All right. Then. All right. Thanks. You're Have welcome. Good, good luck. All right. Good luck. Hey, congratulations to Becky from Allison Park winner of that gift certificate from Janowski's. Next stop is Economy Barrow. Here's Michelle on KDK Radio. Hi, Michelle. Uh, good morning. I live in Economy Borough in Beaver County in a wooded area, and we have tons of moles. Um, I had also learned that, like, the moles are after the grubs and that you treat in the fall, if at all. So I wanted to know what the best way it is to treat the grubs and the moles. Yeah, so I have mixed feelings about this, really, because moles are not, they're not really harming our plants in any way. In fact, in a lot of ways, they're helping our plants because they're aerating the soil a little bit uh, as they do their work. But I do know that the the raised mounds that they leave in the lawn and the the tunnels and things can be a little bit annoying. Um, I certainly have them at my house as well. Um, So I I try to ignore them. And when I see those mounds, I just kind of kick the soil to the side and throw a little grass seed on top. But they are eating uh, grubs. They're probably eating earthworms there as well. They Moles are strict insectivores. They only eat insects. They do not eat plants. They won't eat your bulbs. They won't eat your tubers. They don't eat roots or anything like that. So in general, they're pretty good for the garden. Um, if you're going to do something for them, you can get rid of the grubs, but that's not going to help you if they're eating earthworms. So it doesn't necessarily make them go away. I would rather see you um, use a mold deterrent product than put down something for the grubs. Um, so there is a granular product called, I think it's called Mole Med or Mole Max, and it's based on castor oil. Uh, and so it's a granular product that you spread on the lawn in the areas where the, the moles are, and it forces them out because they don't like that, the castor bean, the compounds in the castor bean oil. Um, mm-hmm. So I would do that instead of trying to control the grubs because unless the grubs are destroying your lawn and giving you brown patches and making it peel up and all that, 
they're really not worth investing in the control. I'd rather see you work to deter the grubs or the um, uh, moles. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. All right, we've got room for more phone calls. 866-391-1020. Betty in Oakmont. Hi, Betty. Good morning. Good morning. I have a raised beds, and they're going to be made higher. And I was wondering, before that's done, is it smart to put uh, pine needles and some uh, chopped up leaves and uh, eggshells and things like that in the soil? You certainly could. I mean, how much higher are they building them for you, like six inches? Just one. Uh, it'll be three foot instead of two. Okay, so about a foot. So, oh, that's good. So that's a good opportunity for you to really do some what we what we like to call lasagna gardening, right, where it's layering in different types of organic matter uh, into your soil. So I think it okay. would be a good time to do it. Fall, this, man, this is great because you have all these leaves now available to you this time of year. So um, what I would do is I would work some of those into the soil that's in there now. And then when they build the beds, then you still are going to have to add some topsoil and compost mixed. Yes, they'll do that. Yeah, perfect. But yeah, go ahead and do that. I would get some organic matter in there for sure. Um, shredded up leaves would be fine. Uh, you could certainly do kitchen scraps and things in there as well. At the end of the growing season, you know, you make your jack-o'-lanterns and you want to throw the old pumpkins in there. You could do that. And then just put the soil and compost mixture on top, and you'll be ready to grow by spring. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. A lot of calls coming in. We'll take care of all of those good calls coming up right after the uh, news uh, or the uh, sports update. And don't forget, Shelby Gassessi has the latest 8 o'clock news within 15 minutes as well. And then after she's done with the news, it's the Coons Cooking Hour. And today it's all the ways to prepare potatoes on KDK Radio. And it's now time for our Mrs. Know-It-All. She is Denise Schreiber, fellow garden writer, horticulturist, and all-around garden goddess. Good morning, Mrs. Know-It-All. How are you? Cold. <laughs> uh, right? How about that? <laughs> Just, you know what, I, I'm glad the 90-degree temperatures are gone and the humidity, and I love fall. I just hate what comes afterwards. You know, so, I hear you. <laughs> you know, so if it would stay like 60 degrees uh, for the rest of the winter, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. But it's not going to. But, you know, uh, I covered a bunch of plants last night because they were calling for a possible frost here, too. So, um, And the gentleman who called about his hibiscus, a lot of people like to bring them in, and they're so thrilled when they're flowering. And... I tell people, take those flowers off because that's where the insects hide. So I really like the idea of just letting them go totally dormant. If you really want flowers during the winter, go to the florist and buy some flowers and put them in a vase. You know, there's several flowers that will last weeks in a vase, and you're not bringing in the insects. And then some people take, and this is a big pet peeve of mine, of taking geraniums, and they dig them up, they put them in paper bags, and they hang them upside down in the basement or the garage until next spring. And sure, some of them come back, but geraniums are a pretty cheap plant for most growers. They're what they call a loss leader to get people in the door. But if you insist upon saving your geraniums, dig them up, wash the roots off completely so you're not bringing any little unseen friends in with you, put them in some potting mix, uh, the same size pot that they were in unless they were in the ground, and cut them back hard and put them in a bright, cool window 
and they will actually grow. You know, you may get some flowers. Here again, I pull the flowers off, but you'll get the green growth instead of that woody Uh, stems that everybody seems to have, you know, because after doing that for a year or so, they never really look good. But if you're going to try and save your geraniums, this is the way to go. Yeah, and they actually make really great houseplants. And the nice part about that is, is that then you can take cuttings of those plants in the very early spring, and then you can have more of them when there's never a bad thing when we talk about having more geraniums. Thank you very much, Mrs. Know-It-All. Ed in McDonald. Hi, Ed. Morning. Uh, my asparagus, I had the ground tested, and they said I need calcium. So I was going to put cal- lime, high c- uh, calcium lime and also fertilizer. When should I do that, no- now or in the f- spring? Um, so was your pH okay in that garden bed? It was okay, but it said I could use some calcium. So okay. I've, I've got some high calcium hydrated lime. That's, we used to use hydrated lime for our uh, bugs when I was a kid. Hmm. We still do. I think that's better than all. That's my organic way of doing stuff, organic hydrated lime. But uh, I wondered, uh, probably in the spring to put fertilizer, but I was thinking maybe put the lime on now. Yeah, so you can go ahead and do the lime now. I mean, lime is most often added to change the pH of the soil uh, to make it a little bit more alkaline, and that's why people put lime on their lawn and things like that. The trouble, what I don't want you to get into, because if you alter the pH too much by adding that lime into your garden bed um, and you send your pH to uh, alkaline because of that, it could affect the nutrient uptake, you know, the uptake of other nutrients in your soil by the plants. So only add as much as the test recommends. Don't add, you know, a whole bunch more than that because more is not better in this case. You don't want to shift this the pH just, too far. This is just asparagus bed. That's all. Okay. Okay. Not the rest, not the rest. You also said about moles. They attack potatoes. They eat potatoes. The, the I know. Vo- voles eat potatoes. Voles with a V eat potatoes. They are, okay. and they're in my potato patch all the time. <laughs> I <Okay>. hear you. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what I got, voles instead of moles. You, I know I yep. got a lot of them. Yeah, you have voles. And that's the thing about voles with a V is they can live in colonies of up to two to 300 individuals. And because their tunnels are underground, you don't know quite how many there are until they start to eat your daylily roots and eat your potatoes and things like that. And then you get into big trouble because and, and voles can be very, very destructive in the garden. So they're How do you get rid of them? Yeah. So I get rid of those with a mousetrap with peanut butter. And you, <laughs> they feed at night. They come out at night. So if you find little like uh, quarter sized holes in the garden, that's probably a vole hole. Uh, and sometimes you'll see paths through the garden that almost look like like a beaten down path through the woods, but they're through the garden, and that's their trails. They use the same trails above ground at night, and then obviously they have this tunnel system below the ground as well. So if you can find one of those, any of those quarter size holes, uh, I actually take a mouse trap and bait it with peanut butter and put it inside of an empty soup can so that um, you know your dog or whatever can't get to it. And you will find yourself trapping a whole lot of voles, especially in the potato. I got a lot of quarter-sized holes. Yep. That's what you want to do then. Yep. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good luck to you. All right. Lots of good calls coming in. Let's go to Don in Rochester. Don, how you doing, buddy? Good morning. Not too bad. Thank you for taking my call. About two and a half years ago, I cut down this 130-year-old tree. Uh, this year, I decided to uh, dig out the uh, the stump area. Uh, I gave up the ghost since it's going to start getting too cold, and I covered up dirt. 
How much dirt do I need to uh, cover it so I can plant grass seed on top of it? Oh, boy. So that's a bit. If it's a 130-year-old tree, that is a big stump, huh? It probably is, what, three, four feet across at least, huh? At least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I spent over six weeks, you know, uh, uh, hat yeah. fitting and uh, yeah. chipping and stuff so, like that. Um, I don't know what your what your tolerance is for this and what your budget is, but it would only cost you like two hundred bucks to have a tree company come out and grind that stump out. For me, like that's the easiest method. The easiest thing to do is call a tree care company and have them come grind out the stump. Um, if you can do that, then you don't have to go because it's going to cost you, you know, a lot of money to buy new soil to put in there and the gr- grass seed and all that stuff. So, might be cheaper for them to grind out the stump for you. Uh, but if you want to do where you have to cover the, uh, you know, cover the whole stump area, I would say you probably for good, a good grass, you're probably going to want six inches on there. Six inches? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because okay. if you just do, if you just do two or three, what's going to happen is the, the grass roots that are actually on top of that stump, they're going to be really shallow. And so anytime we have even the least amount of drought, they're going to brown and it's not going to look like the rest of your lawn and you're going to notice that there's something going on there. So that's why grinding out the stump is going to be the best idea. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. All right, down to the final minute. It's all yours. What did we learn today on this program? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know what you learned, but I can tell you what I didn't talk about, which is garlic. If you have not planted your garlic, I know we talked about it with Doug the other week, uh, but if you haven't planted it, now is the time. Um, And it's so easy to grow. It is one of the most rewarding crops because garlic from the store can be quite expensive, actually. Uh, I would go to the local farmer's market or your nursery, buy a couple of heads of garlic, Um, You know you're getting varieties that grow very well here in western Pennsylvania. I would avoid buying them from the grocery store to plant because those are often treated with a compound that prevents them from sprouting, and we want them to sprout in the garden. So buy some garlic heads from a local farmer and get those planted, and you will be very happy you did when it's time to dig up the heads next July. All right. In the Tribune Review, what have you been writing about? All kinds of things having to do with fall. I mean, it's the time to put our gardens to bed for the winter and uh, learning how to do that in a way that preserves the environment is very, very important. It's not like it used to be where you could cut everything down and rake it all up. And now we want to leave some of that habitat intact for pollinators and other beneficial insects and butterflies. So it's about learning the balance and the cleanup and and, um, just making sure the garden goes to bed and is prepared for winter. Yeah, and you know, the the great thing is this is a good way for people to kind of rest up a little bit too because, you know, a lot of sweat equity goes into these gardens. It does, and it's so much easier to take care of house plants <laughs> and indoor plants than it is to take care of a big landscape outside. So Big reminder too because of the frost tonight. Absolutely. Frost tonight, if you have uh, tender plants out in containers, make sure you move those containers indoors or into the garage for the evening or at the very least, cover them up with a couple of sheets or something like that to really help protect those plants because they are calling for a frost tonight. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good week. And remember, the organic gardeners always aim to teach you how to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. Hey, have a great weekend. Thanks. You uh, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now we're going to shift gears, get ready for Shelby and the latest news on that uh, boil water advisory that's affecting our region. She'll have the latest on that straight up at 8 o'clock. And then it's Joe and Frank Dentisi in another edition of the uh, Coons Cooking Hour. And today, one of my favorite topics, all the ways to prepare and use and enjoy Great recipes for potatoes. You can give us a call. We'd love to hear those recipes. So it is just about 8 o'clock news coming up in a little bit.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 